Evening, Dan. Evening, evening. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have you seen the uh, the curb sketch where the, where uh, Larry uh, says or gets told Happy New Year by someone and he says you can't say it anymore because it's been more than two weeks? Oh, really? Is that? Yeah, I often wonder. I, I, I was speaking to someone about that yesterday and they said February was fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, different, <laughs> different, uh, yeah. Different perspectives on that, I suppose. Uh, I know it's also twi- Twitter Spaces has now got kind of mood music that you can have whilst uh, whilst you're waiting. Which Omar, is... I literally thought that I'd done something inside of like my uh, my uh, Apple Music or something. I was, I was frantically trying to uh, turn my Apple Music off because I wouldn't be able to hear you properly. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was pure pure mood music where. People say Twitter's going down the pan, but I have to say that is a that's a very good upgrade for me. Um, but perhaps perhaps shouldn't have been as high up the priority list as as it perhaps. Well, suggested. maybe we maybe if they can just help us uh, download the the Twitter Spaces a bit quicker rather than the mood music, then we'll all, we'll all be happy. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. <laughs> that would be good. Uh, well, I think a great way to start the new year is to discuss regulations, isn't it? That's that's how we like to that's how we like to get stuck into things. Um, so I've I've done a very quick sweep of the regulations, um, but how about how about you kick us off and tell us like what maybe a bit of context as to why why we've got here, and then a bit of an overview of of what these new FIFA regulations are. Well, you know you know the inner geek uh, comes out in me massively when there's new football regulations to read, and um, uh, this is definitely no exception. Um, so yeah, I mean. Maybe I'm being a bit, we're being a bit bullish in making uh, football regulations the first, uh, the first effectively the first podcast talk of 2023. But I'm I'm not I'm not apologising for that in any event. Um, the, the the really interesting stuff as we'd actually talked about I think last year a little bit was um, FIFA um, looking to regulate or rather re-regulate the the football industry space, the football agent space in particular. And what they've been saying for some time, although it kept on being delayed quite for quite considerably, was um, a new sort of uh, super national um, or rather international, I guess, whichever you want to call it, set of regulations which governs and regulates football agents worldwide. Because what ultimately had been happening for some time is, uh, again, to give you some context, pre-2015, FIFA did actually um, regulate um, uh, the agent market, but it deemed that actually um, national associations might be better placed to be able to to do that. So 2015, FIFA didn't necessarily quite wash its hands with football agency and regulation of football agency, but it did to a degree. Uh, before 2015, you had to pass an exam. Um, once you had passed that exam and had a license, effectively were registered, then you could work in any territory. And the problem that happened subsequently um, post-2015 is UEFA effectively said, well, you don't necessarily need to pass an exam. So all the national association said you didn't need to. And all you had to do was sign a declaration effectively that you were a suitable person to be an agent. So, um, you know, a big deregulation of the market happens in 2015. Um, no exam is needed. And out of in, out of interest, like what sparked that? Like why 
why was there a, a change? Well, it's an interesting one. FIFA subsequently said they made a mistake in uh, deciding to uh, pass those obligations back onto the national associations, and I think the national associations didn't necessarily always want those um, that that uh, ability to be able to regulate. I think FIFA felt to some extent that there was a lot going on that they weren't seeing and weren't able to actually do anything about. So as a result, thought that maybe the the national associations would have a better time regulating and being closer on the ground. To, to stuff but I think it's probably fair to say that quite quickly everyone realized it was a problem because ultimately what happened Omar is you know at a very basic level um, if you were registered um, uh, by the Football Association in England and Wales and you then wanted to do a deal into France, Germany, Italy, Spain, you know Brazil wherever it was you would then need to get an individual license for the territory that you were doing the deal in which as you can imagine was a total pain and a total nightmare in truth so um you know and you might not know where your player that you're representing was going into so you had random situations where you know you need to try and get you know a french license because your player was attracting a french club uh, but you might not be able to get it in time because the french regulations are quite stringent or going into belgium or going into spain or italy or, or all of those things so there, there were lots of uh, lots of potential issues, and even at that stage, what what ended up happening in 2015 is FIFA actually made a recommendation for uh, agency cap, uh, which is basically limiting what uh, agents could earn from player uh, remuneration, effectively, or rather the cut from the player remuneration. So, we fast forward <clears throat> to just at the end of 2022, where the new agents, the FIFA agents regulations were ratified um, and now into early 2023, where the regulations have literally just been published uh, four or five days ago. Um, and and, and mm-hmm. sorry, and, and out of interest, who who ratifies that? There's obviously, you know, the headlines are it's FIFA, but specifically, how did, do you know how that works at FIFA? Well, I'd have to just double check, but I think it's whatever FIFA council, um, or it might actually be the, the effective main executive that would more or less rubber stamp um, the, the regulations. Um, but as you can imagine, as we've talked about previously, there's been quite a lot of controversial elements um to the regs the the most controversial element has been um the the commission cap so just very briefly by way of summary what fifa has said for an awful long time is uh, agents are effectively exploiting the market to a degree where they're in very strong negotiation bargaining positions with certain players and therefore they can more or less make their own market and um extract very big commissions from clubs as a result Um, And so FIFA for some time has been setting out its view that actually agents generally need to have their commission capped to some degree. And after a lot of, um, well, uh, FIFA would say uh, a lot of consultation with lots of different agents and agencies and international agency representative bodies, I think those bodies would say that maybe that consultation wasn't adequate or in fact didn't necessarily happen that much, if at all. Um, FIFA um, um, effectively set on a commission cap, which was if you're the player's agent, you can earn up to 3% of the player's annual salary by way of commission. If you're the player's agent that also acts for the buying club, you can actually earn 3% as well. So in total, you can earn up to 6% um, of the player's annual uh, salary. If you uh, actually act for the selling club, 
um, you can actually take up to 10% of the transfer fee that you negotiate for the selling club or rather on behalf of the selling club. So you have this sometimes quite, not quite perverse situation, but the strange position where um, it might be more lucrative not to work and manage players, but actually to have very good relationships with clubs, um, try and work out deals to sell players to other clubs and then potentially take up to 10% of the transfer fee rather than potentially up to 6% of the um, uh, of the players' um, salaries. So uh, I'm going off on tangents here. So cut, cut in or stop me whenever you want. But the really, int- I think, interesting thing now, Omar, is um, what's possibly going to happen with court cases that are um, rumoured to be occurring pretty soon. Yeah, well, I think that's... Um, so effectively, how have they come up with these benchmark figures? I think that the tricky element is is that um, FIFA would say they went through a bit of a consultation period with all of their stakeholders, agents included. Agents would say they weren't listened to for those that actually tried to engage or weren't engaged as well. Some agents have even been more pretty um, uh, outspoken in their views that FIFA doesn't really know what it's doing um, and is going after um, uh, agents for lots of different policy or other reasons. But no, I mean, what tends to happen in my experience is um, a lot of the time we'll see particular um, deals where, you know, traditionally it can be 5% of the players' wages in in certain English deals on the continent. It tends to be uh, more up to 10% potentially too. So, um, I'm not sure where the FIFA have uh, used some empirical evidence and gone, well, actually, we're going 3% and 3% or whether actually they, you know, um, consulted and thought that this is the appropriate number. But what does feel a little bit um, out of the ordinary is this idea that um, agents can earn up to 10% sell side, um, but actually um, only earn up to 6% if they're doing sometimes the very hard job of managing players and uh, dealing with buying clubs as well. And my understanding is that there's going to be like a, a clearinghouse now and, and there'll be more transparency around um, agents fees. Is that is that something that because I know FIFA obviously uh, as it relates to transfers do a lot around. Um, so they've got their um, transfer matching system, I think it's called, um, which which kind of introduces a bit more transparency around international transfers, not necessarily domestic transfers. Will these agents be something possible in every system? Or is it just for cross-border deals? What it says, control of levels of transparency. Yeah, no, thanks, Omar. I think I think your connection's not brilliant, but I definitely got about eighty percent of that. So, um, uh, the 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 short answer to that actually is, um, the clearinghouse, um, at least for agents payments i believe isn't necessarily quite um set up yet and it's looking to be set up i think fifa's timelines was the next couple of years possibly by 24 or 25 but i know obviously for international transfers that's the that's the idea and it's coming into effect and coming into effect pretty soon the interesting thing also i think on the transparency element that um, is very clear in the regulations um, and I'm, I'm trying to in the middle of writing a blog at the moment on particular elements of it. But uh, transparency is right at the heart of everything that FIFA is looking to do at the moment, um, especially on the agent stuff. Um, in the past, especially from 2015 onwards, 
the FA, for example, have provided some transparency in that they will say how much clubs spend on agents' fees, rank them accordingly. They'll give aggregated numbers, but they won't set out the nuanced detail of, for example, um, you know, player A transfers to team B and the agent received this amount of money from the actual transaction. Interestingly, what FIFA have potentially said in their regulations, I'll just see if I can find the exact quote, um, but basically I think FIFA have said that they will, uh, see if I can find the actual, it's gone somewhere, but they will publish the specific commission that an agent receives for an international transfer that happens now. That might uh, sound good and well and transparent and everything along the lines, but you know, I actually think from a privacy perspective, from a data protection perspective, from even a security perspective, you know, someone knowing that an agent has earned X amount of money on a particular deal, um, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that that might be the the best thing now. There's obviously different levels of transparency in the US and uh, salaries are published uh, and it's pretty common. It's really not the case in uh, in football. That's not to say it shouldn't happen, but I actually think that there might be some um, data protection issues here, not, uh, not uh, trying to shield behind some uh, legal text generally or otherwise, but I think that could potentially be an issue in terms of specific numbers that an agent receives on a per deal basis. It's interesting, yeah. The, the obviously, um, as you say, there has been a big push for transparency from from FIFA, which, which uh, some may argue are, are ironic given uh, given FIFA's past. But um, yeah, the, clearly a push for, for for transparency, and as you say, as kind of ups and downs. The the, the other um, question or other thing I, I kind of noted was this kind of end to multiple representation, which I know we've spoken about before um, on this pod, and I. Again, I wanted to understand what FIFA, again, are trying to get at with some of these changes. Um, and again, what, what will be some of the pros and cons for, for agents and for players that are involved in or, or previously would have kind of been exposed to multiple representation? Yeah, really good point. Um, you know, in my experience, generally, um, the way that the systems worked in the UK and in England especially is... Um, a player agent will tend to work with the the buying club as well. So that's effectively dual representation to a degree. And then what will happen is the buying club will pay the uh, player's agent on the player's behalf for player services and then will pay the player's agent um, for um, club services as well. But the point generally around next steps on, on this, I would say, is twofold. One, generally... Um, agents don't tend to work for all three parties. They don't tend to work for selling club and buying club and uh, player at the same time. But it does happen, even though it tends to be relatively uncommon because there can be significant conflicts. Now, the way that you get around acting for everybody is conflict waivers, which are basically everyone, especially the player, saying that they don't mind and they understand the risk and they understand the potential conflict. Now, the interesting element to all of this is, I think, from uh, putting conflicts to one side and multiple representation to one side, I actually think the thing that's being missed by a lot of people in terms of the new regulations is this um, element, which is effectively players. Uh, FIFA is now saying from October that um, clubs cannot pay players' agents for player services. Now, 
what that basically means in practice is players are going to have to start paying their agents. Um, that's a very important, quite radical change from what has happened previously and is actually going to take, I think, a lot of explaining to do um, from the agent because players are very used to having the club play, pay on the player's behalf. And what that, I think, means in practice is because generally, without getting into tax too much um, at the moment, generally um, uh, the, the idea that um, agent's commission isn't a tax-deductible element from a player's tax bill, the player is going to have to pay his or her agent from their net PAYE salary. And the reason why that's important is because FIFA are now saying from October, everyone has to comply with our rules. And I'm not sure at the moment everybody quite appreciates the fact that um, FIFA from October is basically saying you have to now comply under the rep contracts already existing and new deals that are happening to ensure that the player is paying for those services. But yeah, so that's the... Uh, that's the real, I think, crux, along with the commission cap, which is obviously a very, very important one. And very briefly on that particular point, I think that there is likely to be a number of court um, cases happening. I would say probably within the next few weeks, they'll be starting off, possibly Switzerland, possibly Germany, possibly in the UK. Um, and the reason why that briefly is important is there's a query about whether all the lawyers, when they go to court, are going to say, well, actually, the whole set of FIFA regulations need to be stopped, need to be injuncted because of the commission cap and because the commission cap is potentially illegal, or whether the lawyers in the different jurisdictions are actually going to say, um, what we're going to ask is that the specific commission cap provisions are suspended, but the rest of the regulations can be uh, implemented. And if that's the case, things like players paying their agents and the, the, the agent exam, which I'll just talk about in a second, um, become very important. Omar, can you still hear me okay? Yeah, I think I'm back. I think I've, uh, I've lost you for the last two, three minutes, so I have no idea what's what's going on, but uh, I think, apologies I think, I think the people are still there, so hopefully they haven't gone off. So I think everyone can... Uh, can hear what I'm saying. So I'll just, me, I can just keep going on one other point, Omar, if that's okay. And then you can, yeah, please uh, do. Please you do. can come in because I think one of the most important things as well, you've got some thumbs up. So people are still uh, hearing me, which is, uh, which is always good news um, is uh, a very important part is the exam. So as I mentioned, just at the beginning, Omar, of the, the chat, um, the exam was a prerequisite pre 2015. It's now coming back into force. But the, the, the point about this exam is previously it was actually pretty difficult to pass. It was a 20 to 25 percent pass rate, actually. Um, this time around, uh, you need to get 15 out of 20 multiple choice questions right. Um, they're based on the agent's regulations, the transfer rules, the ethics code, the disciplinary code um, and the, the minor safeguarding um, uh, regulations as well. They come up to fi over 500 pages worth of regulations. And the reason why I say all of that is because um, what FIFA have also said is that there's only going to be two times in the year this year that you can actually agents can actually um, try and pass the exam, which is one time in March and one time in September. Reason why that's important is that if you don't pass the exam, you don't get a license, you can't undertake um, agent services 
Um, and then there's a query over all of the agents' representation contracts that they have with players. Because if you can't undertake agent work, then how can you fulfill the requirements under all of the representation contracts um, that you have? So, um, yeah, it's uh, a really big, and I think the, the, th- the third of the three most important ones, which are commission cap, players to pay agents, and the exam, simply because um, it's going to be difficult. And the, the timetable is, you know, effectively people that need to pass the exam need to swat up pretty quickly um, by March because you're only going to have March or September to pass it. And if you don't, and if you don't get that 75% pass mark, um, there's, a, there's a real problem. And the other element to it generally is it's, um, yeah, 20 questions, but you've only got an hour to answer all of the 20 detailed questions, which really you don't need ma- my uh, elementary maths to work out that that's only three minutes per question, which is not um, an easy task by any means. Fascinating that, um, yeah, just the, the sheer concept of exams in um, in football or in sport doesn't really exist. So, so to bring it in is, is kind of, is fascinating. I mean, there's obviously, as you said, there's going to be some challenges from uh, bodies and a- a- agents as, as well. But but how does this actually work? I mean, it, these regulations presumably are now in place, and even if there was, um, even if there is uproar, even if there is pushback, legal or otherwise, presumably they're in place. So so agents will have to kind of live by them, as it were, or, or act by them for until anything get changed right exactly right and i think that's the thing about you know controlling the things you can control and not uh and not controlling the things you can't control really and that's in effect what i've been saying to my clients over the past uh you know few days um and weeks and months leading up to it is that now we know that um there's going to be these two dates where you can uh, effectively pass need to pass the exam you know my strong recommendation to all of my uh agent clients has been to well um, you've got to try and um, swat up for the March um, exam because otherwise you've only got one chance um, in September to pass the exam. Otherwise, there's a, there's, you, you're going to have a potential problem. Now, my view generally on that is I, I don't necessarily think it's fair that there's only two dates to be able to then pass the exam. I can't imagine it would be a resource problem by the national associations to be able to put more dates in. And because we're talking about people's livelihoods here, i.e., you know, if you've only got two windows and two days to be able to pass the test, um, it feels quite restrictive that there's only those very, very small windows of opportunity. So, you know, I'm writing a blog at the moment in part just to try and sort of set out that actually I think perhaps FIFA and even the national associations need to have a tiny bit of a rethink around, you know, agents having more opportunities to pass what is a difficult exam, which is a time constrained exam, which ultimately goes to the not only the agent's livelihood, but also the agent's reputation and also their representation contracts that they have with players, which is, I think, just really, really, really um, important. Bearing in mind also that the exam's really difficult. You know, I'm in the process now over the next month, weeks and months of, you know, potentially training up um, hundreds of agents in truth to try and get them closer to being able to pass the exam because everyone's pretty worried that um, that they may not. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, trying to rebook my driving test and, and uh, making and and obviously had flexibility around that. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, if it's if it's kind of dictated to you, that that is incredibly limiting. Um, and and I, I two two further questions. One um, one is, I guess, in enforceability. Um, is there any sense of like how 
these things get enforced and also how aware clubs might be of agents that have um, you know what, what agents are doing where, where they're at in the process and so on uh, and the second one and again you may have have covered this but i understand there's some regulations around approaching players who are already being represented and and what what's going on there so uh apologies if the second one is wrong but certainly on the first one i'd be interested to know like kind of how it's how you imagine practically how some of this stuff will be implemented yeah well it's it's totally right i think one of the the concerns i have is that um sometimes uh let's just say an agent has done a deal in this window or the next window so you know you don't have to be a registered uh, you don't have to have passed the exam just yet uh because it comes in in october um the new regs effectively are enforced from um from october then you know you you're being paid commission on an installment basis but then you don't pass the exams um you can't effectively then um, undertake your agent services for your client. Therefore, you, your rep contract might actually be voided as a result. And if that rep contract is voided, then uh, in the agreement that you might have with the, with the club in order to pay you the commission, there might actually be a termination provision that says if you're not a registered agent or a licensed agent, then uh, we don't have to pay you anymore. So my, my worry is for a lot of legacy deals, um, FIFA is effectively trying to or is actually enforcing um, a set of parameters which might make life very difficult for agents that have done deals that are due to be paid um, and that might not be paid um, as a result. Um, and the second point, uh, I think it's a really good one, where the, the, the regulations previously had stayed pretty quiet on approaches to players um, who are under representation contract. And what the new FIFA regs are effectively saying is um, an agent is allowed to approach a player in the final two months of their existing representation contract. Now, uh, there's a query about how you would know the players uh, potentially going to be um, out of uh, out of rep contract. The the regulations potentially give FIFA the ability to be able to disclose when a rep contract expires, which again feels a little bit um, of well a little bit more providing very sensitive information about um, potential client not wanting to resign with you, and then you've got two months, and then you can effectively go after all of these players that might not have that much left on their their rep contracts so um yeah there's plenty of uh, nuances in uh, in what's going on right now for sure yeah i i get the sense that this is actually only gonna um i i you know we've known that these regulations have been coming in they've been in the news and we've discussed them before but but i think now that they're going to be in practice i suspect we're going to get a lot of things that you know a lot of deals perhaps through the january window certainly in the summer where um a lot of these kind of issues or, or new things that have come into the regulations are, are going to cause friction or, or cause changes, or maybe even give advantages to, to some to some people in the transfer market. And I suspect that will start to come out uh, and, and shine a light, and it'll be interesting to see where where it goes from there. Um, Dan, that, for for the bit that my internet worked, that was absolutely fascinating, and I assume the bit where my internet didn't work, it, it, it was as well. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I know a lot of people listening in and Dan is, is absolutely the foremost expert on, on this, on this type of stuff. So, um, yeah, it sounds like you've got your hands full for, for the next, not just next month, but the next few months. Dan. Uh, it's going to be great. I mean, look, the truth is, is that even though it's actually, you know, a little bit uncomfortable because you're looking and reading at stuff that, um, you know, you think, you, you think, you know, the old regulations and then the old regulations disappear and the new stuff comes in <laughs> and then you've got to get up to speed pretty quickly. And, 
you know, it's it's a challenge in truth. But, you know, as much as it's a challenge to me, it's actually, um, I think, a really, really systemic challenge, a systemic challenge to agents worldwide in truth. I don't necessarily mean that bad poorly. I mean, you know, agents, their livelihood, their ability to be able to do things in the right way, um, you know, passing the exam is going to be, you know, obviously goes without saying of crucial importance. Um, and, you know, for some of these things, I think maybe FIFA need to give a little bit, possibly a little bit more latitude and a little bit more leeway um, if possible. And that's maybe, uh, you know, some of the, the formal and informal channels to be able to, you know, ensure that, you know, even if an agent doesn't necessarily pass first time or only just narrowly passes, uh, does, fails to pass second time, that it's not then waiting till, you know, May, June next year before that's the first opportunity to be able to, to retake stuff. Yeah, no, it reminds me actually a little bit, uh, I don't know, we're wrapping up here, like half hour, but it reminds me a little bit of when um, the new regulations around work permits mm. and the GBE came yes. in, in in English football, where, you know, it's the first time these regulations were in for all players, you know, not just players outside the EU. And, and actually, uh, I think there was an acknowledgement that there are edge cases, there are, you know, some things you can't account for or whatever, and therefore the, the exceptions panel is has remained at least for, for the short term over that. So perhaps there'll be some some consideration like that, but, but certainly I imagine it will be discussed. Exactly right. Well, um, thanks for the great questions and uh, great to chat as always. Cheers, Dan. Thanks, thanks, for, next week. thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast, like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book Dundeal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13 which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.